Welcome to the Ken Hill Podcast. Once again, I appreciate everyone taking the time to tune in. And yes, this is a uh, this is another intro for um, an interview. And this is uh, this interview that I, that I was able to do with um, with Dunlop Tires um, is what I've literally been trying to schedule for over a year. Uh, it's just, but if the people that uh, know what the the race weekends are like, it's it, they're absolutely absolutely crazy. So. Um, basically it was, it's like, we're going to do this. We're going to figure out how to do it, show up and we'll make it happen. And that's, that's what it boiled down to. So this interview easily could have gone on, um, for hours. Um, so as I went through the questions, I actually crossed them off, added some, and I, I tried to condense them is, uh, as much as possible. So, uh, it was great. We, this interview was done at the, at the road Atlanta Motor America weekend, a lot going on that weekend different things with weathers and tire compounds and there was there was a bunch of stuff going on so getting the time uh essentially behind the scenes to be able to do this uh, with tom was was fantastic we had a little bit of a challenge with sound so um my editor uh, hopefully is going to be able to get that fixed uh, with the sound you might have to uh, just do a little bit of adjusting there but the questions that for this interview, again, these are ones that I've been sort of building for a, for a long time. And I, I asked some other people what they, they'd want to hear as well. So this interview goes a long time. This is the longest one that I've ever done. Um, and it easily could have been triple this time. I, I, I had stacks and stacks of questions, but I did try to make it as relevant um, as we can. And, and tried, I did try to make it as concise as we can um, for things that really are, that we're worried, that we're worried about. I did want to have a little bit of an intro to it, though about Dunlop USA, because there's a lot I know behind the scenes. And, and to be clear, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Dunlop sponsored rider. Dunlop, uh, Dunlop helps me out. Um, but also, uh, I'll also, if there's an issue with the tire, of course, you know, they'll, they, they'll, they'll be the first ones to, to hear about it. So that's what I love about them though, is uh, whether you're trying a new compound or they're wanting feedback, um, it, it, they want it. They're always trying to make their stuff better. Um, I'm super impressed with the, the the tires, especially in the training environment. It's just they're they're absolutely positively amazing, and uh, yeah, they're they're continuing down that development path. And it's it's the other thing that's amazing is how quick the development path has been coming to us. Um, it's uh, it's absolutely it's absolutely um, nuts how quick some of this development has been, and that's why I wanted to ask some questions about Dunlop USA and how it compares to, you know, it was the the crazy coveted uh, UK tires. So we talk a lot about that. We do get into a, you know, bunch about street tires, street tires and race tires. When should I be on slicks? A lot on tire pressure. Talks, we talk about tire warmers. I did try to pin Tom down on some things, um, but you know, listening to, to him explain um, some of the things about basically tire temperatures off the track and you know, how those relate to different types of tires. I can see where that that is that is definitely um, a challenge. So there's some great informa- information in there, in there about that. Um, we talk about heat cycles of tires, and then we and then we get into some fun questions that uh, that I won't go into right now. Hopefully, you can listen to the podcast and check it out. So anyway, I hope you enjoy this one, and um, we'll have more to come. All right, welcome to this Ken Hill podcast. And uh, this podcast is uh, uh, one that I've sort of promised for, for quite a while, and I've been pretty much a lazy ass uh, on getting this going. And uh, I'm sitting here in the, uh, the coveted Dunlop trailer here at, uh, at Road Atlanta, and um, I'm finally getting to, to um, nail down 
uh, one of the people that one of the things that we have a lot of people write in and ask um, questions on is tires in general. So um, I've got uh, one of the Dunlop engineers sitting right in front of me, and we are going to uh, we're going to drill them on a bunch of questions. So uh, we are in a little bit of a noisy environment, so tough luck, bear with it. And it's just the uh, the benefit of being able to do this. So Tom, why don't you uh, you can jump in a little bit, introduce yourself and uh, we can start diving into this. Uh, thanks, Ken. Uh, my name is Tom Grohlman, uh, Dunlop, U Dunlop Tire USA, and uh, I'm the race tire development engineer. Um, so all the race product that uh, is being pumped out to track day guys all the way up to Moto America level, you know, doing a bunch of national superbike championships. We're sending tires to Australia. Uh, we have the Canadian National Championship. Well, all that stuff is developed by uh, me and the great group of team that's around us and uh, built right in uh, Buffalo, New York. Yeah, I think that's that's awesome. And that, that's, let's let's kind of start off with that because um, it used to be, it's like, oh my gosh, if I don't have UK Dunlops, right, I'm, I am I suck and I, you know, I'm gonna spend the huge, the $600 for a set of tires or $500 for a set of tires and I've got to have them. So how is that, how has that changed now that we've got everything being done here in the US as far as the development, the production, and how has that changed uh, with everything? Um, that, that was a decision that probably started ooh, going on 10 years ago. Um, you know, being in the racing environment, it's really easy analogy to understand. If you go and you buy a stock latest leader bike off the showroom floor, whether it's a Yamaha, Suzuki, and Honda, it doesn't matter. And then you ask and you try to buy a, 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 a champ winning super bike, there's a big cost difference between that. Um, and part of business is driving down costs. So 10 years ago, our UK plant, uh, they knew they were trying to remove some cost out of that plant and they made the decision to build them here in Buffalo. Uh, so we had, you know, multi-million dollar investment into the right machinery. And uh, basically what we did is moved, we slowly transitioned all the, the manufacturing process from the UK into a true production facility. The UK was like a race facility, so there's a big difference between the assembly line where R1s and GSX R1000s yeah. are made and a race shop. And the cost difference per bike is also very different. So what we're doing now is after that transition, we, we were able to basically deliver a race shop performance tire from a manufacturing facility, which is why our cost has yeah. actually came down from yeah. the UK product. Sig significantly down. And then also the, the price increases since we've done that have been staggeringly small for a yeah. 10 year comparison. Yeah. So how does that so how does that work as far as the development path, right? Is is we you know we talked about the costs, which are great, but the development path, is it is it less time to be able to develop new products here because it's so close? Um, you know, well, I have a really unique advantage over most of the other tire engineers and designers is that I'm here at the racetrack and when I go back from home to the racetrack, I'm, my office is at the factory. Um, so I actually get, to, you know, talking to whoever is the current champion all the way down to the latest club, you know, club rider or track day rider. I get feedback from everybody and I can go right out and put what, all that feedback, boil it down into the most common demands of what riders are looking for, and I could make sure that we're delivering a product that has those. So lead time's pretty quick. Very quick. Yeah, yeah. You that's. Know, I, I, I think, I think our record was a. Uh, uh, we have a specific track several years ago, and uh, UK only made product for it. 
and I want to say from the time we did, we made the decision to take that over, we had a product from conception to build and delivery to the track in a month. Oh wow! Which is yeah. which is unheard, yeah, unheard of, unheard of. All right, so let's let's jump into some of the questions. I had pages and pages of questions, and I've tried to narrow them down. Otherwise, we would sit here and talk for hours, um, which we easily could. Uh, and I would totally geek out on this stuff as well. So let's let's kind of jump into it, which is the biggest question I have, right? Street tires versus race, race tires. We have the Q3 Plus, we've got the Q4. Of course, I'm you know the biggest fan of the world of the Q3 Plus just for the, the training aspect of it, how long they last, the cost and all that. And of course, you can go incredibly fast on them. But of course, everybody wants to be on race tires, which which is great. So Let's kind of open this up a little bit and the change from say a Q3 or a Q4 to, to a slick, something along those lines. What, what are your thoughts on that and what do you see there? Um, in general, you know, I, I think when people, when riders... Because they all want to be on slicks. Yeah, they, right? you have to be honest with yourself as to what your goals are. And you also have to realize what that product is built for. You know, you wouldn't, you know somebody can hand you an F1 car and you wouldn't enjoy driving it to work every day. Um, and the same thing we see ha happen with, with riders and racers. Sometimes they get ahead of themselves. They want to feel like they're at a level where the Q3 or Q4 is probably the better product to be on still. And even with their, you know, especially talking to a coach, in terms of their learning curve, sometimes it's a disservice to go to a slick, something with a little more grip too early because you lose that ability to, you're, 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 you're taking away from yourself because you're not, you're, you're you're not gaining that skill of really sliding around and really what feel what it feels like to have the bike move underneath you. So yeah, and not and not and not, there's there's a whole other side of it. Is a lot of times you know the amount of time somebody's dealing with you know warmers, tire pressures, and then they're not putting enough force into the thing to you know to basically replicate what that tire actually needs. That's we have a huge problem with that. Yes, big time. I mean, we see so many. Well, you're. Yes, at that level, coming coming up through the ranks, you're way better to stay on Q3, Q4. Save your money on the warmers. You don't need warmers on those products. They're they're good for a huge wide temperature range. Uh, doesn't matter what the conditions are out there. You don't have to worry. Do you have the right compound? Do you have the right tire? Um, and put put that money back into you know the right. Make sure your bike's got the right suspension. More no, 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 no. Tra tra right training, yeah, yeah, training. We want to put the money back in training because I don't want to get a real job. I'd rather be sitting here at the racetrack. Track time with the coach. That, that's <laughs> there, that's there, the there answer. There you go. Okay, so I'm going to ask you like a super loaded question, right? But so it's like, okay, in the thing is, I already know there's no answer to this, which is like, okay, when should I switch from a Q3 to a Q4 to a slick? When should I? When should I do that? You know, um, our opinions may differ. You know, coming from our different perspectives, but for me. You know, if you're one, if you're just a track day guy, unless you're really fast to begin with, I would almost say that a Q4 is always the best track day tire because most most people don't go out and have four sets of rims. You're not constantly changing tires. You know, I've been to so many track days myself, and I have no skill on a motorcycle. But the mornings are cold and damp. The afternoons okay, cloudy. By the end of the afternoon, it's sunny. That in a race tire, that could be three different tires. If if you stick with the Q4. That's the same tire all day long. Yeah, you know, so it's a really hard decision. But once you get to, if you're going racing, well then obviously if, if you're lining up on a grid, obviously at that point you need to be on slicks. So you have to be honest with yourself and say, where is that transition? And before you make the decision to go racing and get your license, obviously you want to get some time on a true race tire so you can feel the difference and advantage. And, you know, you, there is, a, you know, 
it, all the all the advantages of a race tire, you'll kind of know when you need them. Yeah, and it, and it's interesting because I don't think people quite understand how the Q3, Q4 to the slicks type sort of works, right? Which you know the Q3, a little bit more street oriented, right? But still absolutely great tire. We have a little bit and harder carcass yep. on that tire than the Q4. Q4 is a much softer carcass, and it's it's um, able to have a little bit more lean angle with it. Um, definitely has more side grip, that type of th that type of thing. So you're getting sort of that slick feeling, yeah. but with very quick warm up and and not having to you know deal with with some of the tire warmer things. Yeah, exactly. That's you know uh, when the Q3 Plus really was the that was kind of the indicator that we had something changing because up until then we had our Q, we had our qualifier, then we called our Q2, our yeah. Q3. When we came out with the Q3 Plus, we kind of we kind of veered from that path a little bit because we gave the street riders, we went more towards the DOT side of things. We gave the street riders a little bit more what they were looking for, a little bit better longevity, a little bit better feel on the edge. And then, but having that Q3 product, rather than the Q4 replacing it, it gave us the ability to take basically the Q3 and build more towards the slick side of things. So it was literally one step down from a slick so we, we kind of sacrificed some yeah. of the mileage requirements and things that other street riders really So I'm glad you said that because I was gonna I was gonna put you on the spot a little bit with this one, which is I'm so spoiled on Q3s because even at the like the Rick training days, I mean I'll typically I'll typically get um, I mean minimum two days on a rear. Even riding you know five hours a day, we're gonna get two days on a rear. I usually go three days on a front, and still with the lap times are pretty much always the same. And we put people say, okay, I put a, Q, a Q4 on. Well, gosh, I'm only getting a day out of it or a day, you know, a day and a half out of it. And it's because it's, I mean, it's more of a purposefully designed tire for that. And we're a little bit spoiled on the Q3 side of it. Right. And, but exactly. That's, we still have the Q3 plus for, for that purpose. Yeah. You, know, you can continue to train and do all your coaching on Q3 plus and still get two days out of a tire. Yeah. But if, if all of a sudden you're trying to ride with a faster student and you need something that is closer to a race yeah. slick tire, that's the purpose of the Q4. Yeah, the interesting thing on the Q4 is um, it, 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 people say, oh gosh, it looks like it wears down a lot quicker. I My fastest lap times on Q4s every single time have been at basically the last session when it's com it looks completely worn, it's past the sipes, blah, 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 and I've got still, I've, I've had my best lap times there. Does that make sense? Um, it, it does. Uh, you know, there, there's, you know, they say there's more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah. Something that I was trained on in our design philosophy is that we always try to build, I don't want to say value into a tire, but a tire that performs the same over a race distance. Yeah. Um, and that's something that we've learned in racing. When you get to construction right, when you get to cargo right, when you get everything working together, you know, we see all the time, if you look back at last year's Moto America race times, it's not uncommon when there's a battle going on up front that the fastest lap of the race comes in the last one or two laps. Yeah. And that tire is pretty, well, in most in most scenarios, a, a tire at the end of a race is pretty shagged out. But we try to design around that. So, so and I, I think, you know, just from my being here in the paddock and, of course, with the riders that I work with on our team, I would say the last two or three years, that's gotten dramatically better. It, the the drop-off just isn't as, as you drastic. know, yeah, it's not. I mean, yeah. we're seeing the fastest laps, especially on the 600s, I mean, always at the end of the race with these guys, so. Yeah, and, well, you know, a big part of that comes from, you know, what, what that feedback that I mentioned earlier, it's really good that I can get feedback from everybody, from, from champs and from track day guys, because we do put it in the tire, and a big thing they're asking for is rideability. And if, and if the tire feels different, at three stages of its life, 
that's not an easy tire to ride. So we, we do yeah. take that into consideration. Okay, I want to move on a little bit, which is um, we, we've uh, um, talked a little bit about, you know, about some of those, those things. I had a, a great interview with Dolene's guys not too long ago. One of course the, the subjects that came up um, was how the tire acts as obviously part of your suspension, which it absolutely does. And when you get to a certain part of lean angle, the suspension itself is, is less of a factor than the actual tire itself. So this is a, a huge open-ended question, right? But what, how does tire pressure change a tire's characteristics? How does it affect the carcass as suspension? And how as we as riders, should we be playing with that? Um, you know, the best place to start, in my opinion, that is you have to listen to the, your menu, whatever manufacturer you're on. Yeah. S start near our recommendation. Um, because, you know, if you think of what goes into a tire, we pick a mold shape. Even though, you know, a tire is pliable, you look at a tire, it has a certain shape. But the minute you put it on a bike and weight it down, that shape changes. And at every angle, it changes differently. Well, all that it goes into the design of the tire. So if you're outside of the range that, that we're asking you to run in, you may, be ch you may be changing the shape of that tire more than it's designed. Or you may be flexing parts of the tire that shouldn't be flexed at that lean angle and whatnot. Um, so you're not using the tire to the best of its advantage, which is why, you know, inherently we see people when they're looking for grip, first thing they do is lower pressure. Well, you may have changed the contact patch shape or how much is hitting the ground. And even though it may feel a little bit better to you, you're actually losing contact. Oh yeah. Patch. I'm, I, I'm so guilty of that, right? So like, on, especially like on the Q3s, if it gets to be hot out, right? I'll start looking. I find out it's, it's the opposite. <laughs> so, so many times do we insist that somebody stay higher? And then they go faster. Yeah. And, and even though the feel might not, sure. And it, that's kind of the disconnect between the you know the throttle and the brain is lowering it gives you this perception that it does feel like more grip. But then when you look at the lap times, it's harder to go fast that way. Yeah. And so, well, rather than start low and add pressure, we always say you, you want to run the highest pressure possible that still gives you the grip level you need to go as yeah. fast. I mean, yesterday's podium. All three bikes on the podium were within two pounds of each other, and all were within the range we recommend. So if you're, you know, going lower doesn't necessarily help. You're just you're okay. hurting you're hurting the way the tire is designed. Um, and while we're still kind of on that, is how does that affect wear as well? Uh, because you're because you're working parts of the tire that should you know an area that may be flexing when it shouldn't be flexing, or an area that should be. Um, de deforming, or if you're not keeping the profile and the shape of that tire, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna promote induced wear. You know, yeah. you're 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 asking for more wear, and that's more often times than not. If you are having trouble with wear by going up in pressure, it actually cleans up the tire. You'll you'll notice that wear is yeah. Extended. So so let's talk a little bit about feel when it comes to this. And I know that's that's a it's a completely um, ambiguous state, right? Because it's very individual and, and very subjective. It, so if a person say they want um, the feeling of the carcass folding over a little bit more, is it okay to lower the tire pressure a little bit? Or for somebody that wants a little bit of a stiffer, is it okay to raise tire pressure a little bit? Is, I, I'm assuming as long as it stays within the envelope. Yeah, well, that's why we give a range. Yeah, you know there are, you, you know there are, you know rear, and that's we can again, like you said, we can geek out on this all day because front and rear we'd be having a very different discussion. Um, rear tires. Almost everyone's within, the, like I said, a couple pound window at the, at the top of the top of the class. Now, if we go to front, 
the fronts are such a feel thing for riders and the front is the feel is so important and some people like to really feel every bump and whatnot and so we have a 10 pound range on the on the grid yesterday between the, the highest and lowest you know so we always say that our for example, our slicks say the, kind of the magic points say 36. So when you're running on track hot, you're probably 38, 39. But we have guys starting as low as 32 and as high as 40, 42. Yeah. So it's so it's really interesting, and and I sort of um, sort of tricked you into this direction. The interesting thing is grip doesn't change. So I, I mean, maybe maybe a little bit, but I know in our with at least the riders in our team, we have a we have a fairly big gap in our riders' front tire pressure. But as far as it's funny because like, oh my gosh, I can't run that much high, higher pressure in the front tire, but the, he'll, he'll never complain about grip. Right. Yeah. Yes. So it's very interesting. Yeah. And the, the construction of a front tire is very different than a rear. You know, yeah. you push on a rear tread, it's designed to morph into the pavement. You know, there's a lot of horsepower going through that rear. Um, you're asking a lot of a rear tire quite often. And the front, I don't want to say it's duty is less, but it is, you know, the forces put on a front are less than a rear. Yeah. Um, the, the motor's not you know it's not asking you to keep you in line and handle 200 plus horsepower at the same time so by design it is built differently um and that's why the range is a little bit wider i, I know i'm glad we're talking about that because again here's the problem is that we get oh I, you know i'm running these dunlop slicks everybody says to run 42 pounds or 40 pounds in the front tire i should do that too yeah. well of course they're not putting in nearly nearly the force that some of these guys are putting in um with their bikes and so uh, realize that they're, they're doing themselves a disservice when it comes to that. But the other aspect of that is um, with the lower pressures, you get the feel that you want, but grip really doesn't change. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. If you're if you're struggling on the front or you don't like the way the turning feels, you know, they also mentioned going back to where I was talking about the profile by keeping the sh by keeping enough pressure in the tire, you're keeping that you're keeping the profile where it's supposed to be. You're not yeah. letting it distort yeah. as much. So if you're looking for a little quicker turn in, a little bit more stability on the brakes, going up two pounds at a time is, is a certain way to find that. Awesome. Um, before we move on to the next thing, yeah, let's talk about that. When someone is making a tire pressure change like that, do you recommend one PSI or two PSI or? I would say that depends on the level you're at. Okay. Um, you know, there's an even different, even within the levels, there's certain riders that can half a pound that, that can pound, perceive yeah. a half a pound yeah. and there's certain riders that can't perceive a two three pound yeah um, that's not to say they're not talented riders but some people are more in tune with feedback of what the tire is doing but in order to to me in order to gauge a change I would I would like you know even on a front like two to three pound increments because the front range is so wide that yeah. works and then but the rear two pounds at a time it'll tell you which direction you're going if it feels so drastically worse or better at least you know you went the yeah, right you, way, and now you can make fine adjustments from there. Uh, okay, we'll move on here a little bit. That's a thing. I know, God, we could just totally geek out on that. It's such a, it's such a cool topic. Um, all right, so um, tire warmers. This kind of a, just in general on that. How long do you guys like to see tires on warmers? Um, just, just in general. Uh, so our, our recommendation is 70C um, for... It, no less than 45 minutes and most of the teams do you know shoot for an hour yeah um and you'll see the pressures level off yeah i mean that's what it, and you, that, that is correct and i'm not discounting tire warmers they're they're a fantastic tool and they give you know they give you a huge amount of confidence going into that first corner but keep in mind all, i mean how many generations of racers do we have with no tire warmers so there, i think there's a little bit too much stress put on them because if you go out and you do 
you know, by depending on the track, a lap or two, you're you're at you're at operating temperature yeah. already. So there's, I think there's a little bit of uh, overemphasis put on tire warmers, not to discredit, not not trying sure, to, sure. but you know, it, again, I'm just saying that from perspective. Think of all the generations that when they went without them. Think of all the you know. One thing that does make it nice, though, is it gives you a, a, a clearer starting point. Yeah. If you know you have good quality warmers and you're setting them at 70C all the time, well, then that's it, one less variable that you have to worry about why something feels different on the track. You know that tire is at 70C. You know it's set right at 20 PSI. So that takes that out of the variable equation if something doesn't feel right. So kind of while we're on that as well is, um, do you have any uh, recommendations or any thoughts on um, off the track temperatures? So do you have, is there, is there a range? Is there something we should look for? Or is it also one of those things that's... Well, we, we've tried for years to come up with a correlation between, you know, when we, when we check temperature of a tire, we're looking for temperature at just above the carcass level. So we're going down anywhere between five and seven millimeters into the rubber. Uh, just above where the ply starts and that's the temperature we're concerned with because that's the working area of the tire so the infrared gun thing that it depends on riding style you know so many guys spin a tire you can work a tire and the surface can cool off on a cool day your surface is going to naturally run cooler which is why well, not to go down that road right now but why you might see cold tearing even though your carcass might be up to temperature yeah because your tire is acting like a big radiator. All that heat is disappearing from the surface quicker than it is from the rest of the tire. So I'm not a big fan of the infrared tire sensors. We, Our Huntsville Proving Grounds has that. Uh, we always collect the data, we know the data, we understand the patterns, but it doesn't always correlate to tire performance because there is a, there's not a great correlation between surface temperature from an infrared gun and what the carcass is doing. Got it. Got it. Okay, cool. So let's 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 ask that question a little bit differently. Um, pressure pressure rise, right? So is there is there a guideline on pressure rise or something that they should adjust? And I I have my own sort of way of doing that, which is okay. typically which is I'll use a Q3 as an example. Anytime that if I'm if I set my cold pressures and I go out and ride, and I typically Honestly, I typically never check them unless it's going to be a huge temperature change for the day. But if I get a five pound difference, I, if it's five pounds within my cold setting, I just leave it alone. If it goes above the five pounds, I bleed it down to the five pound difference and I just leave it. But, you know, that's, you, you said something really key there is you set your cold pressures because Q3s don't require warmers. Mm -hmm. But what track you at and where you're at, that cold, that, that cold temperature could vary. So one morning it could be 40. Oh my gosh. Yeah. One yeah, morning yeah. it could be 90. Yeah. And I am night. consistent about like, so, you know, maybe 15 minutes before I go ride, regardless of what time it is, I'll set my pressures at that point. Yeah. I don't set them at seven in the morning and then don't ride till 10 AM. Right. And that, and that's a key variable, um, which is, which is one of the credit I do give to warmers is, you know, you're starting at the same place. Yeah. Uh, but for rise, you know, off I, your numbers right on par. That's what, off warmers, we always say a rear will come up maybe two to three pounds, a front same thing, two to three pounds. Um, but that's that's what we expect. So one of the habits that I do watch some uh, riders and teams get into is when they come in a little higher, you know, if they set it at 20 off the warmer and we're, we know we're gonna be 23 out on track and they come in and they're at 24, they bleed it down. And to me, you're, you just added a whole nother variable because now that you set it at 20, what are you actually operating at right now? You don't know what to set it at next time. You know, you set it at 19.5, you don't know because you don't know how much of the rise was off the track. Right. So 
I'm 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 more in your camp, and I've you know a lot of the successful teams I've worked with, they're in that camp as well. Of the I don't want to say set it and forget it, but once you know that pattern, you 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 like you said, you don't have to check all yeah. that much anymore. Yeah, and if yeah, something hard, does feel yeah. different, you'll know. Yeah. So it has to be some crazy variable to yes. allow that to happen. Yes. So. so once you get your number dialed in, you know, whether it's 21, 19, 22, whatever it is, I'm more of the set it and forget it. And then when you come in, if you want to check it just for knowledge sake and you're at 25.5, leave it and don't touch it. Or ask yourself, how did it feel out on the track before you before you got need it. or anything? I got it. Um, this is another one that, another question that could be kind of open-ended and I don't want to beat this one up too much. Anything, any comments in general on heat cycles? Because um, I'd be like, we use your front tires, for example. Yeah. They never wear out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they never wear out. So it's like, what do I, you know, how often do I, you know, unless you're putting so much force in the thing, it's going to tear or whatever the deal is. Um, yeah, when should I? When should we be changing some of these? Rear tire's pretty easy, but that's you know, we we've got a great compounder back in Buffalo that does a lot of great work for us, and uh, that that's one of the technologies that's moving forward. So we're getting better at that all the time. You know, I I do think heat cycles were were. I don't want to say they're a complete thing in the past, because sure, you know, a top level rider can, if I if they were to start a race on a heat cycle tire versus a non-heat cycle tire, I'm guessing they might be able to tell the difference, but they might also still be able to win the race. Yeah. So it's that it's that minimal of a difference, I think, each cycle. So it, it I don't want to say it's a non-issue, but like you said, your our fronts. You feel guilty. I yep. mean, that's it's yes. like okay, this thing's been on here for X amount of days. It still looks fantastic, and yeah. and granted, it it's not anywhere near lap record pace. Yeah. You know, you're still running a good a good pace, but yeah, you kind of feel guilty after a while. We have, especially in the endurance riders, we've had them come up and say, you know, I I pushed it. I, I used this front for two endurance races. Never changed the front. Yeah. Do I need a new one? I said, well, how to feel this? Well, we do. We were doing our best times at the end of the race. Well, th there's no need to change it. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about that as much anymore. I, I do agree because of the abuse the rear gets, you will notice that drop off a little quicker. Yeah. So I, I, there's no set number of cycles, but you know, if, if it's if it's if you're looking at a tire that's all purple and oily looking out on the surface, it's probably time for a new. One. Yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> good. Awesome. All right. So uh, we're gonna finish up here with a couple of a uh, couple of questions. Um, everybody wants to know this. It's so funny, and I I remember. The, the old days with this, but does anyone receive special tires? Um, so, well, at Moto America level, right? Moto I mean, there's America any, level, let's, no. let's have these big conspiracy yeah. theories no, no. that go on. Yeah. Oh, that, that would be the nail on our coffin. You yeah. Know, and that would, you know, and, uh, you know, working with, you know, our team here, it's one of our best responses is somebody says, oh, you know, the joke is from the old days, oh, can I get a, can I get a special tire? And then it's, it's real easy to say, well, no, it's not your turn. And they, they look at you like, what? Like you just gave somebody else one. So, and then they realize like, hmm, if I'm getting something special, then someone else might be getting special too. Yeah. So it's just easier to keep the playing field level. Um, and especially at this level in Moto America, when you're a spec tire, you really can't have that. Um, we do do development through racing. So our sponsored riders, occasionally we will ask them to race a tire for development at a local scene. Um, we use Daytona as a proving ground still. So when we go to that race, uh, even though we've won on standard production tires, you know, the last several, last several times we've raced and won, it's been on the same tire that you can buy. It doesn't mean that everyone on Dunlops was racing on the same yeah. tire because we do have to do some development sure. real life in a racetrack. So that, that leads into this next one, which is how much influence does the racing have on street tire production? Uh, street tire, I mean, huge. Well, the, Q, the Q4s, 
I mean, is the Q4 is the product of that division of what guys want to do. Do you want to be a sport rider and carve canyons and have a lot of fun out on your back twisty roads, or do you want to be a racer? So 100%, I mean, the Q4 is the is the brainchild of that rider who wants to go racing or who wants to do serious track days. I mean, and that is 100% race technology just filtered right down into the Q4. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. All right, last last question, which is uh, top top three things riders want, right? So, what 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 are sort of the things? I mean, I already, I probably I'm going to guess what the first one is, but I'll let you answer it. What are the top three things riders always want? Um, more, yeah, <laughs> so, more, more life, more grip, more everything. So, first of all, it's always grip. Yeah, until you give them more grip. And a real a, a great example, you, was, a great example was, of that was, is the qualifier when it, we reintroduced that. Several riders went slower. So JD, I talked to JD yesterday, and JD, even though JD and I, we've 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 talked about this topic half a dozen times about you know his qualifying stuff. He's like, I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I had. He goes, we talked about it, but I had no idea until I actually got to use that tire because I I didn't realize how much grip it had. Yeah, and that's and that's what happens. It changes. It throws off your riding style. It throws off everything. Now, if we made a tire that could grip like a Q. For the whole race, would they would riders quickly adapt? Of course they would. Yeah. Um, but you know what what goes into a tire is like a bucket, and you can only add so much stuff to a bucket. And so if I add more grip, something else has to come out of the bucket. So, you know, be- beauty of technology is it's a, a tire today on a on a super bike from years ago would would bend and wreak havoc on the frames because of the amount of grip they have. You yeah. Know, if you go back generations. So even though we're, we're we're greatly moving in the right direction and all levels, longevity, grip, performance, feel. So, yeah, so Roger Hayden came and rode with us at the Rick Days not too long ago, and he had never ridden Q3s. And so he's like, are you sure these aren't slicks? He goes, these are as good as they were, you know, just a few years ago. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah and, and, you know, it's funny you say that because I think it was back then we were still making the Q2, and Roger was nice enough to do uh, a wet test Dakota. We were doing it. We were yeah. down there for the Coda test. The first year we did Coda, we were down there doing a wet test, and I think at the time Hayes went out on slicks. He was always an early. Uh, he was always willing to take the risk earlier than a lot of other riders on a damp track with slicks. And Rod said, "I'm not going out." And we said, "Well, here, can we? You go out in Q2s." And for the first two laps, as the line was drying, Roger was faster than Josh on slicks on Q2s. Yeah. So that that was a that was a fun little experiment we did with. It sounds like Roger's a good guinea pig. Oh my, he's hilarious! <laughs> all right, great. Well, that's that's all I got. I, I really appreciate the time. I know you're you're super slammed on these um, on these uh, weekends, and uh, I know I've been wanting to do this for a while. So, Tom, I really appreciate the time um, uh, you ask, asking uh, asking all these uh, questions. So, great. All right, thank you. Thanks so much. Copyright 2019, Ken Hill Coaching. All rights reserved.